Hello. This is Rant Vague, and you're listening to Making Things is Frightening. I want to thank all of you who um, listened to my little episode zero last week. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback of everybody who reached out. Um, You know, I hope some of you are tuning in again this week. Um, It's going to be a much longer episode this week than it was last week. I have a lot more to talk about. Uh, This week, what I've prepared for you is something that I'm going to probably do more than once uh, that I'm referring to as the Fright Files. Uh, Something that's going to become increasingly apparent is that I have tremendous anxiety, uh, something I've dealt with all my life. And I, the way that I deal with my anxiety is that I write about it. I write about whatever I'm anxious about. I either write about it in the sense that I'll write something fictional and it'll sort of be a metaphor for what I'm going through, or I'll literally just journal about it and just write about it. And when I wasn't writing, I was, during the pandemic, when I just wasn't in the mood for writing, though I suppose we're still in the pandemic, I I guess I mean during the very first year of the pandemic, I started to look through some of the old things I'd written in some of my old journals and found that my opinions on a lot of things had had changed and that I had written some random stuff that I had wanted to revisit. And so I kind of started compiling together these little miniature um, explorations of different anxieties that I have and, and not just an exploration of the anxiety, but Hopefully with each of these, you know, I explore something that maybe you can relate to and maybe the wisdom, I'm afraid to call it, because I don't think anything that I say is particularly wise, but the the platitudes that I have, maybe they'll be helpful for you. Uh, the things that I tell myself to feel better, maybe you can start to tell yourself that too. This week, I picked a really weird piece because, I don't know, it felt like the, felt like the mission statement of the podcast. You know what? I I don't want to intro this one too much. Here is Fright File number 16. The numbers don't mean anything. I just think it's funny to randomly assign stuff numbers. So this week, I'm going to talk about the book. Jungwill by Ernst Junger, um, which, if you've heard of it, I would be really surprised because it's not a very good book, but I have read it, 
several times. Um, it's a piece of science fiction. It's about a post-apocalyptic dictatorship, and it was written in 1977. Uh, it doesn't sound particularly special, but it has a different connotation, I think, than most post-apocalyptic dictatorship books because of who it was written by. Um, Ernst Jünger wrote it when he was aged 82. His first book, and still his most famous book, Storm of Steel, he wrote from ages 20 to 23, while he was fighting in World War I for the Germans, because they were essentially his diaries documenting what he saw in the trenches of World War I, and in graphic detail recounting some of the horrors of war and some of the psychological transformations he saw around him in the soldiers that he was uh, with. I've never read the book. It sounds really icky. I don't want to read about people getting blown up and stuff in real life. Uh, if people have to get blown up, in my opinion, in the stories that I read, I would prefer it as by perhaps a monster or a robot, then it's okay. Despite all this aforementioned ickiness, uh, it's not an anti-war book. Um, Jünger never speaks out against the war. In fact, he even seems to view it by the end of the war as a legitimate activity. After the defeat of the Germans in World War I, he returned back to Germany and immediately during the Weimar Republic began to speak out against the liberal democracy that had formed and wanted, was afraid of weakening of national power and wanted a strong central nationalization of power. Uh, 44 years after he got his wish in a way that he hadn't foreseen, he would speak out and say that the ideology of war that led to Hitler's rise was a mistake. Um, but he also said he never regret a single word that he wrote. And he also fought in World War II for the Germans. He never technically joined the Nazi party, and he was well known to have disliked Hitler, but his problem with Hitler was one of tact and unnecessary cruelty. It wasn't one of, you know, form of government. Um, Jumswil is told through us through the eyes of Manuel Venator, who is the night steward uh, for the ruler, the dictator of the city-state of Jumswil, where the book takes place. Basically, he's a bartender and a waiter um, for the dictator in his private meeting room that he spends almost every evening in. Also, the dictator's name is literally the Condor, which I find very funny. Um, the meeting room is in a fortress, and the fortress overlooks the entire city-state. The central conflict in the book comes from Manuel's political beliefs. Uh, Manuel self-describes to us, as he tells the tale to us in first person, that he is an anarch, which is a political belief that Jünger had written about um, in The Forest Passage, 
which was an earlier kind of like philosophical work that he had written that I'll mention later uh, when it comes back up. But the Anarch is essentially supposed to be the counterpoint to the Anarchist. So the Anarchist, uh, Junger says, and I'm paraphrasing greatly here because, listen, I made a version with quotes and it was like 45 minutes long and most of it was just me reading this incredibly boring book and I'm like, Okay, I want to talk about the book because I got a good point to make about it, but I don't need to put people through this. I, I did it for them so that they could listen to, to this version. Uh, but essentially, anarch, the anarch is different from anarchism because an anarch is perfectly fine to live in a dictatorship. An anarch, and I keep wanting to say anarchist because it's stupid to call it an anarch. The anarch lives freely within. Um, and doesn't worry about the world outside of themselves. They find freedom in the self, which is something that Junger was really into. Um, after the years following World War II, um, he became close friends with uh, the inventor of LSD um, and purportedly took LSD several times, which may or may not have affected his later views on life. Um Essentially, the entire book is just Manuel kind of like walking around and expressing his views on the various interactions he has with people. Um, his brother and his father, who both were really supportive of the liberal democracy that existed before the evil ruler came to power. Um, the teachers... Uh, that he has of varying quality, who he enjoys to various degrees, and who he d agrees and disagrees with, um, kind of at random. And the teachers also provide him with access to the Luminar, because besides being a knight steward, uh, Manuel also considers himself a historian. And the Luminar is a device for viewing past historical events. It's I kind of picture... I don't know if this is actually how it's described in the book or whether it's just something I started picturing, but I picture the holodeck from Star Trek. I think I choose to believe that's what it is. If it's not, then this book is even more boring than I thought it was. Um, again, I've read this book several times, even though I'm complaining about how boring it is. Um, Manuel uses the Luminar to display various scenes of history and comment on them like he does with everything else in the book he typically portrays non-democratic societies uh kind of displaying Junger's skepticism of democracy once again he portrays history as this inevitable cycle of tyrants and of various great men quote-unquote heavy quotes who have risen to power and, you know, what was responsible behind that and sort of comments very matter-of-factly on these things. Um, and then specifically relates those things back to the Condor, who he observes while bartending, and his various friends of power, heads of state that come to visit. It almost feels as though Junger is talking directly to the audience, saying, look... See, 
this is what I was doing. This is what I was doing when I was working for him. I wasn't really working for him. I was inside myself. That wasn't really me doing it. I wasn't paying attention. I just was looking around. Near the end of the book, uh, the situation in the city-state of Yumshwil starts to deteriorate. And Manuel realizes that the situation is about to get out of hand, and he realizes the condor will probably be deposed, and because of his, like, complicity, um, he decides he's just gonna, like, chill and hang out in the forest for a while. Um, and at the last moment, the condor and a bunch of his, like, other dictator buddies join Manuel, and they all go into the forest together. In the epilogue, there's only two pages, and they essentially say Manuel's brother had found the diaries that Manuel had been keeping, and was incredibly disheartened to find that, and I believe the quote is, my brother did not love his family, but feels compelled as a fellow historian to submit the documents, considering his brother was someone who went into the forest when the condor escaped the mob that had come to overtake him. When I first read this, I was deeply confused because I couldn't decide whether the author was saying that everything Manuel had done had been wrong or that in the end Manuel was redeemed because the people who loved him still submitted what he thought to the world. I can't help but see someone at age 82 hoping to be redeemed by the people who loved them. I never participated in the reshaping of a culture in order to enable the rise of a fascist leader, including fighting in two wars to support that national power, but we all have our regrets. I wonder if Jünger converted to Catholicism to find the forgiveness that he sought in the people that loved him elsewhere. I don't see any reflection of myself in Manuel's beliefs or in Jünger. Um, I've read Jünger's other books. I find them all incredibly boring. Jümschwil is the only one that, for some reason, it just really crawls inside my brain, and I I can't, honestly, I can't tell you exactly what it is. Even after writing all this about it and getting my thoughts straight about the book, I revisited it, and even after reading it several times, like skimming through looking at it, I was like, man, I don't understand this book. What is this saying? Maybe not great to admit on my podcast about this book, but hey, I'm being honest here, you know? Um, in the long rambling 
over-explanative, overly referential, pseudo-philosophical academic style that Jünger writes in in this book. I see kind of a dark reflection of constantly explaining yourself, looking back, trying to write situations that you regret over again, and being entirely focused on what you could have done, how you could have improved your life. Jünger writes about living in the here and now, but maybe it's inevitable after a long life looking back to have some regrets or at least some desire to explain yourself at the very least. I can't help but imagine him on his deathbed praying to a God he never believed in for forgiveness. Drastic change is a part of life. Episode zero of this show, the like weird tinny sounding, like, I don't know what that I uploaded, was the first time I had ever admitted in like a public forum where, you know, I suppose I could be identified by my voice um, that my pronouns are they, them. That's what I want people to call me. Um, I've been coming out for what feels like a long time, <laughs> like at least 16 years, but you know, really coming out, my entire brain agreeing that that was a thing that I should do for like four years. I've been individually telling people that I trusted, you know, very slowly. Um, I'm sometimes embarrassed. I feel like a late bloomer. Uh, I am, a, you know, I won't say my exact age. I, I'm nearly 30 years old. Having just realized this this thing about myself, you know, in, in a tangible way within the last four years, and having really only come to truly express it within the last three, um, it's a scary process. You know, for years, uh, I kind of saw the idea of the Anarch not as like a tenable philosophy, like not as something you could really follow to all aspects of life, because that's not an energy you can bring to some things. You got to have teamwork. Um, but I got a tremendous amount of comfort out of the idea of being able to f live free within myself. Around the same time, that I was reading Yumjwil, either for like the first or second time. I was listening a lot to an artist called Sophie. Um, in 2017, Sophie released the album Oil of Every Pearl's Uninside. 
which is, I looked up the word for this, but I don't remember it, and I didn't write it down in my notes. It's a thing. It's a funny-sounding way of saying, I love every person's insides. And I think this is really reflective of the person that Sophie came across as in every anecdote told about her, in every interview she gave, in her music. Um, just a incredibly caring and open and kind person. On January 29th of this year, 2021, at age 34, Sophie slipped and fell to her death while climbing some rocks trying to get a better look at the moon. Sophie, like Junger, believed in the transformative power of self. She said on her song, It's okay to cry. Your inside is your best side. So is the self something that we retreat into? So that we can observe the world as a historian? I've done that a lot in my life. Or is the self something that we go into to take something out to show to the world? I've been rant vague. This has been making things as frightening. And I hope you've enjoyed what I've made for you this week.